Welcome to the Optional Boss Podcast. Again, I am your host, Josh, with Tyler, of course. Hello, people who may be listening for the first time, or hopefully a repeat time. This is going to be the fourth episode that we put up, and today we are talking about remakes, ports, and remasters. I don't I don't know a lot about boats. Boats? Yeah. A boots? A boots. Canadian boats, <laughs> but plural. Um, I think this is a pretty this is a weird topic. It's a very fluid one, just given the fact that, like, well, okay, well, we'll we'll get to that in a minute. But uh, what's uh, what's new and exciting? Have you conquered anything new with your time? Uh, not a whole lot. I've uh, I've dove headfirst back into Sekiro, and it's been a good time. Uh, finished up the game again on the uh, the best ending, I guess you could say. And now I'm working my way through the Gauntlets of Strength. I played through a short hike, which was absolutely adorable. And it is great for like a relaxing, calm down game. And it's just, yeah, it's it's adorable. What about yourself? I just have this strange feeling that the words, I'm having a good time when uh, associating with Sekiro... Just has to be something that would come from someone who has uh, clearly done it before. Um, yes, yes. I, I So I've been playing on the PlayStation, the PlayStation 4 version, essentially. It's playing on my PlayStation 5, but uh, I have the Platinum Trophy, and uh, it's been about a year since I got that, and I really had a hankering for it, and it's one of my favorite FromSoft games. I, I would say, if not the favorite FromSoft game of mine. And uh, yeah, it's I I quite enjoy it. It took a little bit of uh, learning again, but uh, we we managed past it. And the Gauntlets of Strength it's actually introduced. It's essentially like a boss rush mode, given in different categories. So you fight X amount of bosses, and then they have a new variant of one of the bosses in there. Uh, so not for much spoilers on or anything like that, but. Uh, the first one that it went into, which was the Divine Air Gauntlet, had... Oh god, what did it have? T- two bosses anyways, then it had the third boss of the game, but a inner version, as they called it. And he has a lot more moves than what he did in the base game. So he becomes much more deadlier, and it's... Uh, his third face, he shoots lightning at you. And the way that lightning attacks work in that game is if you are standing on the ground, lightning will be conducted into you and give you that shock debuff and take a lot of damage. However, if you jump as you're hit with the lightning, you can throw it back at them. And so the third phase in the base game, yeah, you just jump up anytime he gets ready to shoot lightning at you. You whip it back at him, not a problem. Except... The inner Genichiro fight in the gauntlet, he pulls out the damn Uno reverse card, shoots lightning at you, you shoot it back at him, and then he reflects it back at you. (laughs) And I was not expecting that. It threw me for a loop. Oh, come on. That's a mechanic that's been being used since for Ganon for like 30 years now. You should be used to a little bit of energy tennis. Yes, but when that was never a mechanic of him, and then all of a sudden he's like, no, you? 
that threw me off. Still, all the same. Um, yes. I will say it's, uh, I'm not going to say it's a hot take per se, but it is interesting to hear because you don't often get Sekiro being the favorite of the Souls franchise for people who've usually dabbled into them. Most often it's going to be your Bloodborne, maybe DS1 or 3, and maybe nowadays Elden Ring, but Sekiro's kind of like the black sheep of the. I don't want to say specifically franchise, but style. I would say Kingsfield. Okay, well, black sheep. <laughs> that's you're you're talking about sheep on an entirely different farm at that point. This is true. So the thing with Sekiro is it's very different from any. It's it's not like your Demon Souls, Dark Souls, or Elden Ring by any means. Like it has some combat-ish mechanics, but. Here, here's the thing. Sekiro, I can parry. <laughs> Dark Souls, I can't. <laughs> well, it's not that you can't. It's just you can't. That, that That's what I mean. I can't. But that is fair You enough. have the ability to. <laughs> so but when it can't. says you, you have the ability to, you do. Otherwise, not too often does that come up. I just tuck and roll. Yes. Yeah, there was that. a few bosses I had to get good at parrying in Dark Souls 3, but uh, yeah. Anyways, I'll find out. Securo, it's point. it's Securo is a good time. But well, what about yourself? What uh, what have you been up to? Well, I have uh, finally managed to um, put in a good, decent chunk of time into the Monster Hunter Rise expansion. And uh, oh, right. Yeah, there's really not too much I can say about that other than it's a lot of fun to hit things with a giant hammer. Um, and it's you know they added some interesting new mechanics but nothing too extreme it doesn't really feel all that different it just feels like more and with a game like monster hunter if you're into it more is really all you could possibly want but alongside that i have also been managing to find the time to start ender lily's quietus of the night which i've really been looking forward to i mean it's a metroidvania which is pretty easy way to at least get me to try something but it's got a lot of nice style to it um the combat isn't the most extreme thing but it's not boring either it's i've had a couple challenging fights and being a couple hours in so far i am liking it i'm sure i will have more thoughts on it at a later day though when we talk about more mindy's oh god I, I hate that name. I think I put in the description for the uh, the third episode that I hate that name. Ah, well, it's a <laughs> but name. But I know here we're using stay. it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh, so I'm I'm looking forward to getting into Ender Lilies myself because I have it here on my shelf. It's in the backlog, but I just had to play Sekiro again. Well, I can't really blame you with that. I've definitely been uh, fighting back the urge to play a lot of things, but. I've just got so many new things I haven't even touched yet. And that's that's one of the issues with backlogs, right? Like, you're excited for these new experiences, but at the same time, comfort food is comfort food. Well, that's why we're not here to talk about new experiences now, aren't we? We're going to talk about things we've done again and again and again, but why are we doing them? And also, I mean, it's a new old comfort food. One that had the mold plucked off, I guess, in some cases. <laughs> that doesn't sound comfortable at all. No, no, it doesn't. Oh. But if you didn't know it was there. So, 
yeah remakes ports and remasters it's a weird wacky world that we live in and there's so many of these coming out and one thing i do want to touch on when we go into this discussion is kind of make a bit of a definition for this because for whatever reason it is very wacky in how often they seem to be interchanged uh terminology wise so i just want to kind of set some groundwork here uh so from remakes we're kind of looking at a sense of starting from scratch and remaking it as a whole a great example of that that i was going to bring up later on but i'm just going to get it out of the way now super mario all-stars i have that considered as like the original remaster it's like the original collection too well it all right i guess if we're gonna start here we're going all the way back um I would say, well, first, for me personally, that falls under the category of a remake, just for the fact that yes. um, they tweaked a lot of the mechanics, the art style's been overhauled, but it's also hard not to argue that would be a remaster, because at the end of the day, nothing has really been changed as a product, it's more in its creation. Um, so... Basically, what I'm getting at with that is, like, there's nothing new that occurs, right? It's not like a full-blown reboot of the series. So, it's not a whole new direction. It's just the same game, but modernized? Right, which is kind of similar to a remake. or Well, remakes do that, of course, but uh, remasters do as well. Um, I would kind of argue that it's not a remaster, though, because they did start from the ground up again on them. Like, they obviously had the source material. But it's not like... Generally with remasters, you see slightly updated graphics and all that kind of stuff, where this, they revamped it for the Super Nintendo from the NES versions. And then they also... I They also came out with Lost Levels, or the original Super Mario Brothers 2, which was never released over here, right? So I would consider that more of a remake where when you're getting into remasters, it's kind of like a revamped to work on current gens, such as resolution and all that kind of stuff. Uh, they usually do upgrade the graphics slightly just to match that newer resolution. And uh, we got a few examples down the road that we can discuss. But And then ports are just essentially just taking a game from either a generation or a different system and bringing it to a modern console. But here's where it gets confusing, because ports can be remasters, but remasters can't be ports. And this is this happens a lot. Yes. And I think that also it's, comes with, does the industry even know what these three words are supposed to be? I don't think so. And it doesn't help that, like, reading online, uh, whether it's on Reddit or Facebook or w- whatever, like, people don't seem to understand the differences between it. And as an example, I was reading, out of all things, it was the Black Mesa discussion board. And for those of you that don't know, Black Mesa was a fan remake of Half-Life 1 that brought it toward the Source engine, which was essentially Half-Life 2 engine. And it's, it's done very, very good. And it's also uh, praised by Valve, like... 
Valve has actually authorized it for sale on Steam and given their, their blessings and all that kind of stuff. But going through some of the messages and like people are saying, this is supposed to be the definitive version of Half-Life 1. This is such a good remaster and things like that. And it's like, well, it's not a remaster, it's a remake. And even the devs got involved in that and saying that, no, we, we want you to use the term reimagination. Now, here's here's where we're getting a little little tricky here. It's a reimagining of Half-Life 1. Yes, it follows the standard beats and all that. Um, but yeah, like it's, it's very misconstrued on what the actual meanings of each of these definitions mean. And it, granted in the end, it doesn't really matter, I suppose, but for our discussion today, it's, it's, I just wanted to set a bit of groundwork on what we're talking about and kind of get a proper definition down. I would think, uh, when you're bring in the whole term reimagination. I would think that's pretty much just a fancy way of saying remake. But on that note of I think it's funny how this is how seriously the fan creation of Half-Life has gone over, which is fantastic because though I have not played it, I have incredible interest in it because Half-Life is just a wonderful piece of PC gaming past. But um Oh, it's it's fantastic. It's it's iconic. But here's here's where things get a little get conditioned or confusing. Is uh, is a definitive edition a remaster, or is it just a port with DLC, or is it just a say, re-release with stuff? <laughs> I would say that a remaster is a definitive edition, and yeah, sometimes that they they include the DLC in it. It's kind of similar to like a game of the year edition and stuff. Um, I, I, I would definitely throw a definitive edition under a remaster. But sometimes they just don't do anything. No. And sometimes it's exactly what a game of the year edition is. And unlike Ubisoft, they know that they can't call it game of the year edition when they didn't get any game of the year awards. That's a shot at Far Cry 6. So it's pretty safe. Oh, jeez. Uh, it's pretty safe to say that something like okay, uh, Spider-Man uh, for the PS4, the version for PS5. You could just straight up say that's a port. You could probably even go so far as to say it's less than that. But as a product, it is just simply a port, one console to another, right? Right. But something like, mm, uh, what's a good example? Let's say Kirby's Ad- or Kirby's Nightmare in Dreamland for the Game Boy Advance versus uh, Kirby's Adventure for the NES. Now, Nightmare in Dreamland, correct me if I'm wrong, that was supposed to be like a remake of the original? It is one-to-one a remake of it. Okay. Yeah. So here's where it gets confusing. Is that a definitive edition or is that a new game? I would say it's a new game because it's being remade, right? Like, it's not using the NES graphics, right? No, it... And that, was for, that was for Game Boy Advance, yeah, right? Yeah, it's a whole new art style, um, and some mechanics are going to play a little bit smoother. They might have added some new attacks, and, like, he's got hats now. That's important to Kirby lore. Uh, but... So, yeah, that, that would be a remake. Okay, but is it a definitive edition? 
I don't know. This is how you muddy the waters. Yes. <laughs> um, it's like the reimagining remake port. Th- th- this whole discussion, essentially. Okay. Well, I'll stick. I'll stick with the port side for now. But here's an interesting kind of spin on ports. Um, Sega versus Super Nintendo ports, and how they're not really ports. Some cases, they're completely different games. So, like, for example, Aladdin's a very common one that'll come up between, like, it's the same game, but it's a completely different one. Or even uh, the Beavis and Butthead games. One is more, the one for Super Nintendo is more of, like, a side-scrolling beat-em-up, more or less. And the one for Sega Genesis is a point-and-click adventure. (laughs) Right. So, I wouldn't even say that these are port examples it's a, Cause it, it's a weird scenario, isn't it? Mostly because it, it they is share a weird the scenario. same title. Yes, and I feel like back in the day when like a lot of companies were just hired to get something out, especially in the case of like Aladdin. It's licensed, it's hot at the moment, put it out. And I want to say that there was something with uh, Silicon and Snaps. They, Blizzard before they were Blizzard. I want to say that they were both working on a game. Uh, God, my memory's failing me right now. Dave Brevik, I think, who is the creator of Diablo and Silicon and Synapse. They each had to work on the same title, and I forget what the title is, but Dave Brevik's team had to make it for the Super Nintendo and Silicon and Snaps had to make it for the Sega Genesis or vice versa. I don't remember the order. And they ended up almost creating the exact same game without ever talking to each other or having the notes from each other. Was it? Now that's a weird situation. Yeah, the one with the three dwarves. No, no, that was a that was an actual original IP. Oh, that one's uh, actually under Blizzard, isn't it? I think so, yeah. Okay. Um, oh, no, it, it was still... Oh, I don't know. I know it's considered a Blizzard title now, but... Um, yeah. Okay, but here... And I believe it's that, free to play on their site. So if anyone's looking to play some Lost Vikings, it's on their site somewhere. That is a very odd deep cut, but I'm sure Blizzard would appreciate it, except it's not Diablo. Buy Diablo! <laughs> Spend money! Um, okay, so... Putting aside the, like, so that basically rips out anything from the discussion. Like, for example, the Tony Hawk uh, Pro Skater for Game Boy Color. Uh, Is that a port? But not really. No, I I would say that's a different game. Just it shares the name. Okay, but what about actual ports from the Super Nintendo and Sega generation? Like, uh, so, and this was actually kind of a cool thing. This was back when exclusivity was handled well. Something like Earthworm Jim, how it is essentially the same game aside from just how it feels. You know, how comfortable you are with the Sega controller versus the Super Nintendo controller. Musical preferences. Some people really like that Sega just dirty twang to its audio. Um, But they'd usually sneak in like a hidden secret level or something that would be exclusive to that version. Right. Which is kind of done nowadays. Like, isn't there a uh, a game coming out for all systems, but it's just Sony that gets, like, an exclusive section? I think it was Spider-Man or something. 
I feel like uh uh was that that Avengers game that uh it, that Square it, it Enix been, yeah. made that just bombed real hard? Yeah. Well, yeah. So you, I I, I want to say that's it. You you got Spider Man PlayStation kids. You could be proud of that. But <laughs> these things were never like, you know, the on the box selling point. It was just kind of like those cool little details where if you were talking to a kid, like, hey, I've got Mortal Kombat. I've got Mortal Kombat as well. But you're talking about how this one's got blood. And no, I've never seen blood in my game. Um, it, I don't know, maybe this is just one of those things that's just going back to how the internet hadn't ruined everything yet. Um, you, you don't like sweat in your games? You'd rather blood? Hmm. <laughs> that's a peculiar question if i've ever got one but well it was, it was mortal kombat that they use sweat instead of blood this is very now, that true. was done by the same developer right yeah uh midway yeah. i think so but it was the same game just on two different consoles yeah i would say that that's probably considered a port okay that I can be, be because it's not two different companies. Like a lot of these games, Aladdin was made by two different companies, right? Yeah. The, one company for Sega, one company for Nintendo, and uh, where Mortal Kombat was the same developers, just they had to change things. I'm. Do we know what Mortal Kombat was originally on? Was it on Sega or Super Nintendo first? Hmm, that's a good question. It might... I want to say it was probably Sega, because then they had to go back and change things for the Super Nintendo version. Well, it was probably Arcade. Right. But as for the console it would have been on, hmm, they might have been... I feel like that's one of those things where the era it released, it's really muddy on uh, release dates, but clearly one would have come out before the other, I would guess... Sega? Yeah, I, I I doubt they came out at the same time. I was around for it, but I was not aware. <laughs> yeah, we, we definitely didn't pay attention when, like, in, in that era. I'm, I don't even know when it was released. I'm going to say early 90s, so just kids. Yeah, it was, uh, right. I, I wouldn't know a game existed unless it was pretty much brought to me at some point. Until, of course, I got into later when I was just dabbling into everything, which we'll talk more about another day. But, um, all right, so ports were a thing just to pretty much grant accessibility beforehand, as we're now, it's more of a odd way to put it, but like a preservation practice. In in a sense, yeah. And I mean, we, I can't speak for Microsoft or PlayStation that much, but I, I can definitely speak for Nintendo. Nintendo loves porting things. And it's, it's not a bad thing, and I, I don't blame them, especially from the Wii U era. Like, Mario Kart 8 was originally on the Wii U. Um, a lot of the games that they brought over to the Switch were ports. And granted, the Wii U didn't sell that much, but doesn't mean the games were bad. Like, lots of people like Mario Kart 8. That was a great port. But Nintendo's kind of got the whole Disney Vault thing going for them, where... They are masters at bringing in new audiences to things. So, and this goes back to, I mean, you could even say it goes back as far as uh, Super Mario All-Stars, but for a more, I don't know, fresh take on an older uh, version, which I'm going to say this would fall more under the camp of a remaster than a port, 
but uh, the Ocarina of Time for the Nintendo 3DS. Yeah, I, I would say that that was more of a remaster because they, they altered it enough to work on the hardware. Or Right? It's not like they went ground up. They just reworked it. Or an even better I mean, example, I, uh, the Virtual Console. What is Virtual Console stuff being re- reworked for? Oh, no. I mean how the Virtual Console was where you got your ports, right? And oh, just... vir- Virtual Console, yeah. Uh, sorry, I was thinking of Virtual Boy. And it's like, when have they ever remade or remastered a Virtual Boy game? <laughs> oh, you shouldn't be thinking about the Virtual Boy. That'll hurt your brain. No, um, no nobody does. <laughs> which is a shame because it does have, like... I did play the Wario Land game for the uh, Virtual Boy when I was a kid, and it was good. Hurt, hurt a lot, but it was a good game. Yeah, just just going into the Kmart or the Zellers and going straight for the gaming section, as we always called it as kids, and running straight for the uh, the Virtual Boy. It's like, what the hell is this? Oh my god, this is so cool. Why does my head hurt? Oh, and not even to think like. Especially with the uh, recent events of the world, how you would be, would you want to put your eyes on something like that now? No. No. <laughs> this is a terrifying no. proposition. Um, well, it's it's, it's kind of like VR now, right? Like shared VR when it was first getting around, people were getting pink eye. <laughs> and it's just like, oh dear. Oh no. Gotta wash your VR, kids. There's germs in that there virtual world. So, do you have some good remakes that you can think of off the top of your head? Good remakes that I could think of? I could probably think of a good handful. And uh, more so than that, I'm just going to say, at least right now, it seems the kings of remakes are Square Enix. Uh, With some of their latest output, like, you've got uh, the Trials of Mana remake, you've got the Legend of Mana remaster, um... You've got Live a Live, yeah, I would which say a that's a, remake. a remastered. Oh, Legend of Mana, yeah, very live, much live so. A live. live a Live was fantastic with the HD 2D. Like, I never played the original, not of ROM or English hack or whatever, but I mean, the Super Nintendo wasn't doing what that remake did. It was doing. Guarantee you that. No, it de- well, of course, you've got the whole HD 2D style and all that. That's just what we can do with more yeah. powerful hardware. But as a game itself, it was still a pretty good looking game um but yeah you could say it is full-blown a remake and then you've got something like trials of mana where you're taking what is essentially a super nintendo game and turning into kind of like a ps2 game which is a pretty common opinion about it a good one don't get me wrong i'd say almost like a an early gen third party ps3 remake nothing too fancy but it's still very vibrant where ps2 it was much more you, you could tell the polygon still, where PS3 was more smooth, and that's what Trials of Mana, I think, would, would fall under. Not even under. so much visually, though. Just in uh, in its gameplay, and of course it was a remake, and a solid one at that, but um, it wasn't the most uh, mechanic-heavy. Uh, it didn't kind of, like, get out of its comfort zone, you know? Right, Like, you, yeah. could, you could see it as a game that could have been reasonably built within the limitations it set for itself. Yes, although if if they brought it for PS2, do you think they would have left in Little Cactus? 
or brought in Little Cactus. Little Cactus would have existed by then, so I would certainly hope they do. He is well, yeah, because Little Cactus was brought into Legend of Mana, right? Which was PS One. Yeah, and he had made subsequent appearances in um, the only game that I can immediately think of because it was really the only game I enjoyed when the Mana series kind of started to fall off and get a little strange was Sword of Mana, and he plays a small role of some kind, and he was never in the original... Uh, oh, there you go. That's another full-blown remake. Sword yep, of Mana. Yep. Um, Which was Final Fantasy Adventures, right? Yes. The first one? Yes. And I think it's actually... Now, that game has been remade ooh, a handful of times now. I think now it's just known as Adventure of Mana, and you can get it on Steam uh, Mobile. I want to say it might have been a Vita release at some point originally, but I'm not 100% on that. But uh, yeah, the original Mana game, Final Fantasy Adventure, um, it's been remade a, a whole handful of times. And... It's still only okay. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's I'm, I haven't touched it personally. Uh, I've played Final Fantasy Adventures and never got very far. And this is where we're going to get into another collection, the collection of mana, which is absolutely fantastic. I mean, Final Fantasy Adventure was originally for the Game Boy. And then when they remade it for the GBA, right? Sword of Mana? Yeah. And then obviously other times Adventure of Mana and whatnot. Um, but then they brought Secret of Mana to the Switch, fully playable, and along with uh, the first release in North America of Trials of Mana or Saiken Desetsu 3. Which is a really then, big deal. And not only did they release the Super Nintendo version for Switch, but then they went and remade the full game in 3D, like we were just talking about, which is... That, that's a port and a remake that they did for one game. It's also in probably the most very confidence they've shown in that brand in <laughs> ever. Yeah, they they need to do more proper stuff with it. But, uh, Which is a shame. It is a shame. But at the same time, like it, it at least it came over here. Uh, at least anything happened with it. This is true. I mean... It wasn't until you were talk telling me about it, and then I saw the collection came out over here, so I went and snagged it just for a second to set you three. Or again, Trials of Mana. Can we just call it Trials of Mana now? Hmm. <laughs> I can call the remake Trials of Mana. That makes right, sense right. to me. It's a different so, game. So we'll call the the original second to set you three. That. And then the remake. The 3D remake, uh, Trials of Mana. That just makes sense to my brain, yes. Um, yes. But what about what about any, uh, think of any kind of solid remake, like just full-blown from the ground up? Uh, anything that comes to mind for you? Remake-wise? Yeah. Is going to be one of the things that got me into a series I never thought I would actually play, and that's going to be Resident Evil 2. Ooh. And that is Capcom, who is also really good at porting and remaking things. I mean, we got Resident Evil 4 remake coming around the corner. Resident Evil 3 remake was, eh, they didn't follow the original too well. Uh, Resident Evil 2 remake, I mean, granted, these remakes all changed the gameplay style. Like, we don't have the fixed camera angles of the original or anything like that. But 
we did have a very solid and competent game that did very, very well for number two anyways. And I'm hoping that four does well as well. Well, And then we got to think back to GameCube days. They remade Resident Evil 1. This is very true. They've actually always... Every time they do the Resident Evil franchise the second time, it's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Except for the movies. Oh. <laughs> what are, there's, what, six of them? Something like that. And a bad Netflix TV show. Oh, yeah, that's right. That didn't last long. No, no, they they got good, one good season out of them. And wow. By good, I mean, like, it, it, it was a few episodes. I don't even have Microsoft <laughs> Paint on my browser right now, so. But that's a sneaky little Easter egg for people who really paid attention to what they were doing in that show. Yes. Yeah. Um, oddly enough. So, but something else that was remade, and it could be a little controversial. I've seen two takes on it, and I'm in the four side of things but uh final fantasy 7 remake oh we're getting there are we yeah oh okay um so I which was also a reimagining no you guys printed it wrong we called it remako it's about mako <laughs> it is a bit of an anomaly when it comes to the remake discussion and not just because they put remake in the title because Truthfully so, okay, this is where we also have to say, if people, for some weird reason, haven't played, watched, know what's going on in Final Fantasy VII, let alone Remake, this is your warning that we are talking about very spoilery things. That said, um, it's all of the above and none at the same time. <laughs> kind of, yeah. I mean, it follows the same story beats, but yet introduces new things that really throws a wrench into the main story beats which is kind of weird because well, yeah it's it's definitely a remake in the sense of, of reimagining yeah not even getting into story stuff as a game itself it is not final fantasy 7 by any means it is a straight up action game which i'm personally okay with uh as per our first episode ever of turn-based combat debate which if you haven't heard by all means it's in the catalog check in the description below i really don't know how these streaming platforms are going to work but it's there somewhere yeah so i mean i'm quite okay with that i mean i've played the original and i always have the original to go back to if i want the full original experience um personally and this is probably going to get me a bit of flack as much as I really enjoyed the original Final Fantasy VII, its story was kind of all over the place. It uh, it does have a pretty solid story, but it also has a lot going on that aren't exactly the initial story itself. It at times can feel a little bit episodic. Like I often forget about the part where and. With what they're doing with the remake, it seems like they're actually trying to cram in as much as they can with extra detail, which I've been enjoying. But uh, do you even remember the part where you go to Junon and you gotta save the little girl and her friend Dolphin? No, is, I'm drawing a blank. No, but this is something that happens. Um, there's also <laughs> the part where you go underwater 
and just go and find a plane and find a Mako reactor sunken under, like, there's just a lot of things that happen, and it doesn't really feel like a very long story, but there's a lot of just random little story beats, uh, the giant materia stuff, that big bird, and, yeah, and it's, well, it was an older... The random tower defense scenario, which was main part of the main story, wasn't it? Like, you had to do that? Yeah, it was always optional up until a certain point of the game in which that there was a story-related part with it. And it doesn't really make it that difficult, but it was also one of those things where, I don't know, I guess they had a lot of faith in it as a minigame, but did you see what they did to it in the remake? No. Oh, it's so cool. So in the PS5, uh, the extra story DLC, what did they call it? Intergrade? Intermission? Intergrade, yeah. Okay. Um, so they Which turned... Yet to play. They turned Fort Condor into, like, a board game. Oh. And it's so good. Like, I would not be surprised if you start doing it and you're going to be more focused on how to play Fort Condor and people who play against than actually going through what's happening in Intergrade. I don't know if I should be scared or happy no, with it, that. No, it looks really cool, and it's got so many, like, <laughs> wonderful homages to, like, Final Fantasy VII's original state. And Yeah, I thought it was a really neat spin on what they did. But, um, yeah, as Something far Something else about the remake that I, I really, really appreciated is in the original, you're told Shinra's doing this, they are bad, where in the remake, they made you feel bad like they are bad like you you wanted to hate these guys not just be told that you're supposed to hate these guys when it came to Shinra anyways well I just think that the remake it allows for that time to actually get into these strong character motivations and how they're going to react and some behind the scenes stuff and whatnot like for example a little scene that would have probably been relegated to one text box which is I saw Sephiroth you actually get that little scene with Palmer and he's dipping the butter in his tea and he's talking about how he likes butter in his tea and then he actually comes across Sephiroth um it mm-hmm. just has times to let those little more intimate story moments actually be absorbed and then of course you've got extra stuff like uh there's the the landlord Marl which has to be a Chrono Trigger reference, and there's where the Chrono Trigger mention is in the episode. Um, we can use that music now. Yeah, it's it's an interesting case because you could say it's fresh enough to bring in new audience members, but also it's a game that is for Final Fantasy VII fans. Yes. It's a weird amalgamation of all these things that should not work as well as they do. And I definitely remember saying this after I finished 7 Remake. It was, was I, don't, I don't know how to feel about this. And then the more I thought about it, the more I actually appreciated for what it was and what it was trying to do. Yeah, I was going to say, it's definitely something that when it sits with you for a bit, you gain the appreciation for. Now, that would only apply to people who have played the original, I feel. It can still be a great game as a first-time player, but to get the appreciation of what they're trying to do, I also think you'd have to have played the the original. But I think also as someone who played the original, the first time you finish it, you're like, I don't, I don't know about this. 
This is different. Boogenhagen. Different. It's scary. Boogenhagen. <laughs> I haven't got to him yet. That's going to be very interesting to see this man who is like half a planet for legs. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, that's remakes overall, like, seem to be pretty good. I mean, there's, there's, can, can you think of bad ones? Um, off the top of my head, it's hard. So, I know they're out there. Oh, they're I, definitely I, out there. I think a good recent example would be, um, not that I played it because it's a franchise that I'm not terribly interested in, but I know that the remake of, uh, this would actually probably fall more under remaster, but uh, the Sonic Colors remaster was just just a mess. Oh, um, right. Or Speaking even, of, or, I really hope Sonic Frontiers does good because Sonic needs a win. Sonic could use a win, and from what I'm seeing from Frontiers, it's not a win for me, but if it gets good reception, I'll be happy for it. Exactly. But I, and I think we need a bit more of that is just being happy that something is successful because more successful things means more developers are willing to try new things and eventually that's going to come around and benefit us. Well, I mean, I've seen Sonic get beaten down a lot in his time, but I have yet to see him die and I feel like if he ever did, people would feel that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I I could definitely agree. Um, but as for bad remakes that I myself have played, hmm, I can't. I like to think I'm pretty selective with the games that I play and their quality. Doesn't mean I haven't played bad games. I definitely have. But um, oh, I, I, we've all been victim of hype before and just bad games in general. Mind you, I. I I guess to be fair, that it's not too often like a bad game gets a remake. Now, having said that, I'm not seeing any 4D Bubsy. Not yet. Uh, not yet. But I can say there have certainly been examples of a remake actually putting me off of the product itself, and a good example of that is the recent remake of Act Razor. Which I thought initially oh, was really cool. Like, wow, they're actually doing something with ActRaiser. They haven't touched this since technically even ActRaiser 2 wasn't really ActRaiser. It was more like a really difficult action game with an ActRaiser coat of paint. But yeah, they finally decide let's bring back this cult classic Sim City style 2D action game, which is incredible. And they just kind of found a way to give it that mobile game unpleasantness would it be the mobile game unpleasantness or are you just talking art style because like the city buildings part i would imagine is very mobile game directed it's, and that's the part they took out right <laughs> well no it's still in it but it's made worse um because oh, okay the the sim city aspects of the original act raiser was just kind of like a gap filler almost and it was done really well where you know you're working on clearing out the lands and helping the people and but it was very straightforward as where now it feels like almost a 70 30 split of the sim city stuff versus the uh platforming portions and the platforming portions still seem okay but it doesn't appeal to me as much as let's say an actual super nintendo game but they've added these 
Very annoying. Well, first of all, the interactions that you have with the townspeople are numerous compared to the original, which is like, okay, I just kind of want to get on with it. But now there's like hero characters for the towns and they have their own plots. And then you have to engage in an actual tower defense minigame. And apparently you do this more than you actually do levels. And I just Ooh. I just don't want anything to do with that experience. And sadly, I... I am going to be one of the many people who just doesn't bother with the Act Razor remake because of it. Yeah, that is a. It's. I don't want to say it's a point of adding too much to a remake because I mean Final Fantasy VII again added a lot of things, and it was great. But they they're overzealous with the direction they wanted to go. Here's a weird one for you. Would you consider Doom 64 a remake? Hmm. It does enough different, but it's also, if I'm not mistaken, follows the same beats. I don't really know the plot of Doom all that well, but it's it's not a different scenario than the original Doom as far as I'm aware. Oh, so like we're talking the original Doom 64. Yeah. So that is a completely different game than Doom or Doom 2. So it's not like a a new interpretation. You could almost say it's like a Doom 3, but not actually. Exactly. Okay. Like, it's none of the levels are the same. I mean, mechanics, enemies, and all that. Like, it's, it's clearly the Doom universe. But it's all new levels, all new stuff that's only found in Doom 64 but still not a reboot. It's just its own wacky no, little it's, it's, oddity. it's its own little wacky thing. And come to think of it, I God, I just played the remaster of Doom 64 not that long ago, maybe a year ago, and I forget if it had blood, but I wonder if the original Doom 64 had blood on N64, if Nintendo allowed that. I don't know, the N64 didn't get much support. But I'm also thinking back to, like, I want to say games like <laughs> Turok had blood. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They they would have had to. I know that, like, games like Zelda and whatnot sort of censored it by making it colored. But, you know, there was, yeah, there was definitely blood on the N64. And I'm thinking of games like, um, like, here's a random cut to make this point, but, like, I want to say WWF, No Mercy, or Raw, one of the N64 WWF games. There's definitely blood in that. Yeah. Um, so I can see that. Well, there, there's blood in, uh, what was it called? The Sub-Zero spinoff. Oh, um, Mortal Kombat Mythologies. I think, Is that what it was? I think so. I've never played it. I feel like that's the kind of games that I would have really wanted to play as a kid, and I am so glad I never had the misfortune. It would be something interesting to look back at, like try nowadays, just to see what it's about. Like that That's one thing I do enjoy, is just checking out some of these bad games, just to see if they are actually are as bad as people say, or if that's just people being, you know... I mean, I can... It's like AVGN and Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, or what was that game for the NES? It's it's like his rival. Uh, And I mean, I I get the frustration because it is frustrating, but it's not terrible. Like, it's beatable. 
I've I've played much worse games. My Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde is uh, Looney Tunes Road Runners Death Road Death Rally Valley Death Valley Rally Bird. Is that on Super Nintendo? It is, and it I have that on my shelf. Oh, it is a wonderfully <laughs> bad game. Uh, I want to say, as far as I ever got, was like. It was always the boss of the second level that always stumped me. But that's a game that is never getting a remake, remaster, or port. No. So we've talked about remakes uh, quite extensively. So let's go into a couple of remasters. And so, again, just uh, groundwork remasters, essentially making it an old game playable on a newer system. So whether it's usually with resolutions you get a little bit of graphics updates uh like the latest chrono cross uh release for switch the fact that uh oh god what was i gonna say it's the radical sword change oh skyward sword uh used to require the wiimote and i've heard the controllers are fine on a switch pro controller if you get used to them and I mean, that's a pretty bland statement, but... I feel like that would be weirder uh, for people who played the original versus people who are picking it up for the first time, though. This is true. But it is... Yeah, I imagine if you played the original, then you'd probably have an easier time adapting to it. Mm, no, I would think if you played the original, going to, like, the stick controls would actually be really jarring, and you would just be more inclined to use the Joy-Cons. At the same time, with the uh, the Wiimote, you understand what it's supposed to do, so you you know the animations. Where with the joystick, and never having played the original, you don't know what these actions are. Did you? Did you? Where someone who, well, someone who played the original would actually pick up on. Oh yeah, that's this. That's this. That's this. Okay, I got this. I was just gonna say, does that mean you were uh, you weren't having a good time with your copy of Skyward Sword on the Switch? I still haven't turned it on. Oh, it's because you're worried you're not going to. <laughs> no, it's it's one of those ones that I want to get to one day, but it's on the backlog from hell. Um, it grows. Something about Zelda and Mario games where I absolutely adore them whenever I play them, regardless if I played them or not. But I just seem to have a hard time keeping my attention to them. I can say that, especially more so with Mario, where it's one of those franchises where, like, every time I play their games, they're incredibly fun and highly recommendable, but I never think, I want to play a Mario game. Yeah. I just do. It's just something you do in life. Now, here's a weird remaster for you, which is also kind of a port, which, I mean, I guess a lot of the times that we talk about remasters, chances are it's going to be a port of something. But uh, Quake for the Switch and other consoles now, right? Ooh, that well, and you could almost say the same too with like uh, the Turok remasters, right? Because they actually, you know, went in and changed some stuff up where you don't have the obnoxious fog that you would have had from back in the day. The textures are smoothed out a bit. The controls are optimized for a proper, like, actual first-person shooter mock-up. And these are pretty awesome remasters in my mind, just because. A lot of these games, and curious as to how it's going to go with um, the version of GoldenEye that's coming up for the Switch Online service, 
because... I don't think much is going to really change with that because it's still running on a 64 emulator, right? Well, and not only that, too. Like, you can get the N64 controllers for the Switch, so I would figure that would be yes. the default method of playing it. Um, but Now, with, with that said, uh, Rare is also releasing it on, I'm assuming PC, but Xbox. Yeah. And But they're re-releasing a remastered version which switch isn't getting no that and they I, i'm pretty sure i've read somewhere that you can actually use dual analog sticks for that game yeah. which would make it 10 times more playable than it is now but it was I, I, so I don't much care charm. what anyone says i don't care what anyone says golden knight does not hold up oh i've never really thought it was that good of a game to begin with which is oh no he said another controversial thing but to for the record i am dreadful at first person shooters i mean that's fair i did play it a lot i played the uh the campaign so many times unlocked all the the cheats and things that you could because that was the thing back in the days you could actually unlock things by overcoming obstacles and i played a shit ton of multiplayer with it and i i look back on those memories and i think fondly of them and then i played i played goldeneye for the on the n64 i'm gonna say probably six years ago seven years ago and i just remember thinking what the fuck is this this is horrible and it kind of took away from my my nostalgia a bit which sucks but it it, it doesn't hold that kind of space in my heart anymore like it once did well and it's not even so, one of those things that you can particularly blame like an older controller scheme you'll know if you're enjoying something because you will adapt to how it's supposed to be played at times yeah i mean i still had a bit of fun with it granted it was just two of us playing multiplayer but uh no one picked odd job because if you picked odd job playing goldeneye as a kid Chances are you're in jail now. Yeah, that's just that's just a just a bad guest move. Yes. So, yeah, I'm curious on how the remaster for Goldeneye is going to be with dual analog sticks, and obviously touched up graphics and everything. Where the Switch's version is just going to be the N64 version. That's period. That's it. So I'm very curious on what the remaster version is going to play like. What? Do you personally prefer from games that you are genuinely fond of when they get, would you rather they get a remaster or a port? I mean, a remaster is always welcome, but uh, in, in most cases, I'm, I'm, I, I guess it depends on what era the game's coming from. In the era of N64 games, yeah, I want a remaster because N64 games just do not hold up. And my argument with that is when we were looking at the Super Nintendo, that was the golden age of 2D graphics. We came from Atari. N64 is the Atari of 3D graphics. We have come so far from that. And just like the Atari with its one-button joystick that it had, the controls don't hold up for what we are so used to now. Well, and that's another thing, too. It's not even so much that it's the Atari of 3D graphics, but it's just the Atari of 3D game design as a whole. If you really want to split hairs, PC had been doing it for a bit, but even then, there wasn't anything nearly as explicit to that experience. It was more like giving you the impression of 3D. 
Oh, 100%. Like, Doom is technically 2D, but it's given in a semi-3D perspective. Well, I think a better example, too, for that pseudo-3D effect is uh, going back to what I would call dad games for the PC, which is pretty much anything that allows you to fly something. Yes, Mm. you are technically roaming within a 3D space, but the way my mind interprets it, and this is a very interesting reference to make on it, but uh, it's kind of how in Futurama the engines of the ship don't actually move the ship. It moves the universe around the ship. Oh, yeah. That's that's kind of my interpretation of like old PC flying games. That is a nice pull. I I thought that was a good way to put it. Um, as where yeah, so the uh, N sixty four and the PlayStation. Although the PlayStation kind of adapted into three D, it wasn't, you know, solely designed for three D worlds in mind. Right? It was supposed to be just a really powerful Super Nintendo. That wow, it can render polygons too. What can we do with this? Yes. As where the N sixty four turned out really good. Yeah, but three D was the intended experience of the N sixty four. Right. Now, at the same time, I'd argue that uh, PlayStation 1 did 3D better than N64. I, they were smart enough to know that two sticks are better than one, yeah. Buttons are terrible for... Well, not, not at the start. <laughs> no, not at the start. I was just about to say the buttons are worse than camera controls for a stick, but for most of those games, none of them actually used the sticks for the cameras. It was usually the shoulder buttons. Yeah, the L1, R1. Mm-hmm. Which was... Charming <laughs> and awful. Even even on even on PlayStation Two, that was uh, that was a big thing. Like I just finished playing a uh, God of War One, Two, and Three, and sure enough, the L and R buttons rotated the camera. Those are games that have also received their fair share of remasters. Well, that was the remastered versions for PS Three. Ooh, snazzy! Um, Still using the shoulder buttons for camera. But uh, so uh. A great example of a remaster, though, that I wanted to bring up is Legend of Mana. That's a... Oh, Legend of Mana. Okay. <laughs> I almost got upset there. I thought uh, we were talking about the Secret of Mana remake, and I was like, no, that's not a good example no, at all. No, um, no. I think the Legend of Mana remake was fantastic because it just kind of optimized a bit of the experience without actually changing the game itself. Well, that, that's what a remaster should do, right? Like, it should hold true to its original vision while updating it enough to have it work seamlessly and flawlessly on a new generation. So Legend of Mana was made for a 4x3 aspect ratio, and they brought it to a 16x9, made the, the camera wider. The I want to say they updated the backgrounds a bit, so and I think they redid the music too. So yeah, they, they re they remastered the music. What they even even perfect thing. It's it, we're talking about remasters. It's remastered music. Yeah, and pretty much the extent of what they did with Legend of Mana was um they got more upresed versions of the artwork for the background textures and stuff like that. Uh, they smoothed out some of the sprite work, which and this is where. Legend of Mana kind of falls into this wonderful spot that we're seeing a lot more these days with remasters is you're kind of allowed to tweak your remaster experience between a full-blown remaster or more or less a port. Like, you could have pixel-perfect resolution or you could have the more smoothed-out edges if you are a madman. Um, Oftentimes as well, you're given the option of, like, swapping out the 
original, more BitCrunch sound uh, track for the maybe, let's say, fully arranged orchestral sort of, uh, soundtrack, even though it's pretty similar, you would prefer that more nostalgic experience. So it lets you gauge your level of remaster, right? Without actually stripping anything from the game. Right. And I, I think as this discussion has gone on, it's I, I started thinking, like, what's the idea behind ports? And uh, Money. Well, yes. Of course, like let let's just get one thing right. Like, the gaming industry is about money. They are a business selling an art form. They keep selling so, us new Super Mario Bros. When he has not been new for a day or two. <laughs> not wrong. But uh, I I guess we should kind of touch on ports as well. Um, and th- this is where we see a lot of collections coming out now i would consider these ports because they aren't technically remasters but uh looking at the teenage mutant ninja turtles cowabunga collection like those are a bunch of emulators running roms on your switch right they are using the essentially the the original game files from the nes and just making it playable on the switch right so that would be technically a port i am not Uh, mario 3d all-stars so you might actually be wrong about that with the Kawabunga collection. No, no, never mind. Kawabunga collection is actually emulated. It's a game that's not out yet. One that I'm very excited for. Uh, the Mega Man Battle Network collection that's coming out early next year. Not emulated ports. They are actually from the ground up like source code restored ports. Ooh. It's really exciting. Um, that is actually really nice. And the reason why they did this too, and this is kind of where like, cause I would also agree that your game collections much more fall under the category of like their ports with a few quality of life additions or, you know, just modernizations. For example, how the Kawabunga collection with, uh, tournament fighters for the super Nintendo, you have online ranking with rollback netcode, which is like, you are taking your online experience seriously if you're using rollback netcode. And I believe you mm-hmm. can also um, do you can do co-op for pretty much all of the multiplayer games. I don't know if it's like a drop-in, drop-out system or what. I haven't experienced it myself. But there's still ports, but they're just ports for the modern era, which I really like yeah. when things do that. Um, but with the Mega Man Battle Network, the reason why they can't just do a straight emulation is for the um, oh, smashing stuff. The PvP for the actual Battle Network games, which I think is really cool. You're modernizing a function that required a link cable. Now, the Battle Network games, were they all on Game Boy Advance? I'm assuming that there was probably a couple on the DS as well. Uh, Well, if you want to get technical, yes, but that was a really weird release of... So from 3 Beyond, they started doing kind of like a Pokemon thing where it was like blue version, white version, stuff like that. Uh, And there was a DS release of both versions of 5, and it didn't do anything other than put both games on one cartridge on the DS, and they only did it with 5, and 6 was back on the Game Boy Advance. So... Oh no, they're not really on the okay. DS. Oh, it's it's weird. It's oh, just wait, folks. I'm going to talk about Mega Man one day, and you're all going to go nuts about it. Um, 
You're going to be asking him to shut up one day. Yep, because <laughs> I got a lot I could add to that conversation. But uh, yeah, no, as far as the DS and the Mega Man Battle Network series, that was a whole new series, kind of like your Mega Man Legends to your Mega Man Classic. So one thing that's actually kind of neat about knowing that is Game Boy Advance emulation has a very neat little trick that Nintendo used back in the day. And that is where, because the screen was never meant to be lit, their color palettes are actually not as vibrant as we get on the screen. And it's because of the darker screen, they had to use much more vibrant color palettes. I think I just spoke in a circle there. A little bit, but this... And it was, it, yeah. it was because you couldn't see the screen properly. So when you just straight on port to a raw emulator, it looks off. Like the colors don't look quite right. And this is something that we saw in the Game Boy Player for the GameCube is they did not adjust for that. And that's why a lot of people choose uh, homebrew applications for doing the uh, the Game Boy emulation well, or the Game Boy Player alternative. Funny, And it's so it automatically adjusts for those color palettes. Well, it's funny that you mentioned that just because uh, I was going to bring up at some point the uh, Game Boy Advance remakes... You could almost say these are ports, but I'm pretty sure they had to do them more or less from the ground up, is the uh, Super Mario Advance series of games that they did, starting with Super Mario 2, and then I think World, and then 3, and then Yoshi's Island. It's a very, very weird series. But um, mm-hmm. they were more or less from the ground up, and yeah, they suffer from that oversaturation for the most part because they came out, most of them came out pretty early. I want to say... Yoshi's Island isn't as aggressive with its color palette, but yeah, for compensating with that uh, lighter screen. But this is on the note of can remakes or remasters be worse? Something that they did with them that genuinely makes them not as enjoyable to play in my mind, which is a shame because they are very good versions of these games. But this was the era where voice clips were a lot easier to implement So now whenever Mario jumps or when he gets hurt or when he does anything, he's got a quip for it. And I just much prefer when all I can hear is the sound of him hop or maybe the sound of him shrinking down when he gets hurt. I don't need his let's a go every time something happens on my Game Boy Advance. And it's so (laughs) aggressively bit crunched as well. And that's not the only place they did it. They were really playing with this with uh, Zelda for like the Minish Cap and stuff like that. They have the voice sound effects for, I want to say Wind Waker Link. Like every time you slash, it is unpleasant on a Game Boy Advance game. (laughs) Yes, especially with it being bit crunched, right? You know what? I'm proud of you that you figured it out. Can I turn it off, please? Yeah, and chances are you can't turn it off without turning off all sound effects or something in the settings no you gotta suffer with it which is a shame because the music is usually really good in these games yeah yeah absolutely like i'm i'm gonna mention it again mother three had some fantastic music uh castlevania series on the game boy advance had some amazing music i but then when you start adding in voices and stuff it just gets Bad. Well, I have very vivid memories as well of uh, hooking up my Game Boy Advance with the battery adapter, putting in a, 
a small speaker set into the headphone jack so I could just groove out to some Game Boy Advance tunes. Like, yeah, it didn't have the best sound chip on it, but what the people were cooking up for it was pretty great. Um, oh, absolutely. But more just on the notion of ports, I personally, all for them. I really enjoy when you just give me, like, as close to the original experience as I can without making it a headache to play. Um, but just give me access to stuff. It's so very important to me to be able to play things. Absolutely. And I mean, like I said before, like a lot of remasters are actually ports as well, right? I mean, remastering Legend of Mana from the PS1, a 4x3 screen, or made for 4x3 into 16x9... That needs a remaster, but it's also working with the newer resolution and whatnot that it's being ported from a PS1 only to everything that's available now, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but also, it's just it's a practice that allows me to try out things that... Because this is just a genuine fact. There are too many games to experience in one person's life, and the shame about that is a lot of them are really good. Um, so there's so many like, gems. I don't know. One of my favorite ports that I have on the Switch is probably Okami, just because that's a game that, not that it was ever super obscure, it didn't sell super well, but it also didn't completely tank, but it's kind of one of those games that people don't bring up much, and I never got to experience at the time, but I always thought it was neat, and now it is readily available to me. Things like that are why I can really appreciate the practice of ports. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's if if we're looking at the PS2 and even PS1 era and GameCube and, well, N64 even, there's a lot of stuff that I know I missed out on that I would like to try and I don't have any proper way to access it. And I would rather get it through illegal means, have it on my shelf, and enjoy it. So I have purchased... Uh, let's see, we have the Mega Man Legacy Collection on GameCube, and then you have the collections that they put out for Game Boy Advance, and then I've also repurchased them on the Switch, and also I have purchased the individual copies of Mega Man on their respective virtual consoles, and <laughs> it's nice to be able to have access to these things on the things that I am currently playing, right? Even if I'm not going to play them right now, it just makes me comfortable knowing I can. Absolutely. And that that's pretty much why I have the Mega Man Legacy Collection and the X Collection and the ZX Collection. For Switch is a lot of these games I never got to enjoy growing up, so I'm having a blast with them now. And I have the ability to. That's where I just want to play them again and again. And now I do. I, I, I'm i surprised that it's... I mean, we kind of touched on it. Not too much. But uh, just the fact that we didn't touch on it as a port is kind of shocking. But uh, Doom. Just standard-ass Doom. Here's my counter to how your many Doom. Times? Skyrim. How, how many... Oh, God. <laughs> No. But yes, especially now that they're both Bethesda properties. Doom has been ported to a pregnancy test. Ah, uh, if it's got a screen, it's got Doom. Doom has been ported to potatoes. That's amazing. Just when you thought potatoes <laughs> couldn't get any more impressive. They can port they can run Doom. 
But uh But like Doom is the ported game of ever. I I I'd have to argue that it's probably the most ported game ever. It's pretty much the baseline for porting, yeah. And it, it's not like it's being remastered. Well, I guess it has been remastered as of the latest release for Switch and PS5, 4, and Xbox series. Well, and uh, but, uh, the iterations of Doom is a little bit too turbulent to say it's had multiple remasters because then you look at, like, you know, you have the original PC Doom, and then you have, like, the Super Nintendo Doom and the um, Sega... Which I think has blood in it. It might i don't recall and then you've got i have it on my shelf i'm gonna have to check after this uh 32x doom which if i'm not mistaken it's either 32x or saturn doom that has to run on a very tiny window even though it's being played on a console like it's if you were playing pc doom and you just shrunk the resolution to the smallest it could right where your hud is still big but the action is tiny i want to say that was the amiga I wouldn't doubt it. It's not like that was a very impressive system. Well, it's it's not so much that it wasn't impressive. Just the person doing the port work for it was given like five weeks wasn't it, to do it. Wasn't it just like one random woman? Yeah. Yeah, I think I remember this. And yeah, she was just pretty much handed it off and was like, get it done. Well, her boss at the time or something it seemed like a real asshole, to be honest. But uh, he just handed it to her, didn't understand a thing about games, just wanted to cash in and make money off it. And it's like, well, this isn't going to work. And he said, make it. Make it. Okay. And I don't think it has any music either. Here, juggle these. I don't know how to juggle. Well, you better do it if you want paid. Pretty much. Oh. It's gross. Oh. But uh, but on the topic of Doom, the fact that they got Doom 2016 and Eternal running on the Switch somehow, it's downright amazing. This is very true. And this is where, like, modern ports versus retro ports. And this is where it comes, again, less of preservation and more just accessibility, which I guess you could say accessibility falls under preservation. But this is more on a widespread angle, right? Some of us mm-hmm. don't have a PS5, and some of us don't really want a PS5, but they want the game on PS5. This is a broad example. I know there's not many PS... Sifu is, though. It looks terrible, but it is coming <laughs> to Switch. Which is a shame, because that looks like a really good game, but oh, you can definitely tell that the Switch just like, we had to make some cuts. Yeah, that a lot of people complained about The Witcher 3, and honestly, that's the amount of times that I started up on my PC, and it took my Switch version to actually get me to play it, is kind of weird, but you know what? I enjoyed it. I just think so. And in, in the end, like, I know I was saying that I'd rather rem- uh, remaster of some games to update the graphics of the N64 era, but graphics aren't everything either. Uh, sometimes I like these old, old-looking kind of, I don't know, it's from the era I'm more prone to enjoying pixel art as well, but um, that's just, that's a preference I'm thing just, at that point. I'm just trying to relive my childhood. Let, we got Yeah. Yeah. So, I think when it comes down to it, I mean, I've gone through a good chunk of my stuff. How about yourself? Yeah, I'm I'm down through a lot of my lists. All right, well, uh, but the I... The biggest thing that I, I wanted to touch on was collections as well, which, I mean, there's so many of them. We talked about the, the Cowabunga collection, the Mega Man collection, 
There's also Castlevania and Contra and the Castlevania Advanced Collection. Come on, where's my physical? It's uh, It just needs to exist. And then also bring over Symphony of the Night, you cowards. Yes, we've, we've discussed this before, and they still haven't done it, so let's just hope that we can actually have some kind of power behind us, our rambling, and make it, will it into existence. Konami, do more things. But, um, yeah, if you've gone through most of your list, I definitely have uh, one thing I would like to close out on, one kind of big grand question for the evening. Ooh, absolutely. So, and uh, I have I have some picks for myself here, but uh, three choices. What would you remaster, remake, and port? Not the same game, one for each category. Okay. We'll start. We'll start with remaster. Remaster? Yeah. Oh God. Um. Okay, got got to think here because it's it's a little uh, on the spot. Okay, do you want me to give my remaster? No, 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 because I, I don't want any kind of influence. Oh, I don't think this I'm... is gonna influence your decision. <laughs> this one's so, they're all pretty out of left field, but one thing I would like to see remastered. Actually, you know what? I kind of want it remade. So I'm I'm gonna say remade. Remake first. You're going to want to Is go with Parasite remake first? Eve. Ooh, that's a franchise I, that could really go for some uh, renewed uh, spotlight. Yeah. Okay. Oh, absolutely. Like if if they took almost like an RE2 approach to it, that would be fantastic. Horror is one of those genres that have benefited the most from graph uh, graphic fidelity. And. That would do really, really good. Well, and I could also see... Uh, with with voice acting, too. If any voice actors can say the mitochondria. Yeah, good voice <laughs> actors. Um, that would actually be really cool because, yeah, like you said, uh, something like in the vein of a uh, Resident Evil 2 remake, it is certainly a game that would work really well just from a whole new perspective of how to play it, right? Yeah. Uh, I've, absolutely like it, it we still have the original and then we have something new for it as well e- even if it's a bit of reimagining as long as it's not the that damn third birthday crap <laughs> that is the cringiest shit ever holy shit well and sometimes with the remake too you do have the opportunity to not remake other games and you could almost do a remake into a direction of a soft reboot exactly it's uh it opens more der- doors more doors to uh breathe new more life dirge. into a franchise yes more doors so for a port okay i think i would want to see Metroid Fusion. Ooh. Just accessible. Yeah. Because I don't have 150 bucks for it or how much it is now. Fusion's good. I like Fusion. And yeah, it would be. I want to say it, it does have the port on the Wii U, but that one's hard to count now because it could very well be gone by the time someone hears me say that. Yes, because... As of right now, it's October 10th that we're actually recording this. Oh, no. It's, it's like, what, March, May, when it's completely done? 
Yeah. Oh, well. So with, with that store closing down, like, there's no actual way that we can play it without getting an original cart. So get, get it now or don't. Yeah. There's emphasis on the don't. Um, and I'm guessing it's just because you just want a way to access Metroid Fusion and more for people, to, especially, too, with, like, Dread being so closely tied to Fusion, it would actually be really nice for people to... Like, yeah, you get the, the plot summary, but it's so A plot different. summary versus actually playing. Well, it's so different from something like Super Metroid as well, right? Where, yeah, it is a little bit more of a linear experience, but I think that really complements the game it's trying to be. Well, not only that, we have ways of playing the other games at this moment. Uh, the Switch Online service, we have the original Metroid, we have Super Metroid... Not too many care about Metroid 2, although there's ways. M2R is fantastic. Yeah. It is absolutely wonderful. Fan game, yeah, sure, but it follows the actual Metroid 2 so good. We don't have a way of playing 4. Metroid 4. I thought it was actually really cool when you boot up the game and it just gives you that nice crawl over space and just that subtle Metroid 4. And I know I have to pick one, but Zero Mission as well, just because. Well, I mean... Which is a port remake. <laughs> it's, it's, you're not wrong, actually. With a port of the original in it. And some extras added on. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so that's your remake, your port. What about your remaster? My remaster. Do it again, but better. God. Um, just for kicks, like just seeing a lot of the PlayStation One stuff be remastered for newer consoles now, Legend of Mana, Chrono Cross, etc. I'm gonna say Legend of Dragoon. I think now I know a lot of people want a full blown remake of Legend of Dragoon, but it would even be nice if it got like the Final Fantasy Nine or even the Legend of Mana treatment, where it's just kind of polished up, right? Yeah, and made for modern controls. Yeah, um, maybe smooth out some of those le- uh, edges, make some of those faces look like faces instead of just pixely smudged anger expressions. You don't like the triangle Lego blocks? Oh, everybody likes triangle Lego blocks. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think that's a game that would actually really benefit from just a just a nice modernization, but without actually changing up what what they're doing with it. I mean, it's it's gameplay is pretty solid. Its story is pretty solid. It doesn't need a whole lot. Like a full blown remake would be fantastic. Don't get me wrong, but just a remaster, fix it up a bit, bring it out for us on modern consoles, and I think that would be fantastic. Very nice. I, I think I think the three games I've listed could almost work in every single section of this. Like, any of these three games could have been a remaster or port or remake. That brings us right back around to our initial confusion. (laughs) Yes. But, I mean, like, well, not not really. Because if if you put it into, like, Parasite Eve, if it was remastered, it's going to play the same and all that kind of stuff. It's not going to play like an RE2, right? But it's still going to look a lot better than what it does now. 
non-existent. <laughs> I think it just goes to show that um, even if... If you put Fusion into Metroid Dreads as a remake, you'd have it would to, look pretty good. You'd have to do a completely different game mechanically, but I see your point. Um, but when it comes down to it, remake, remasters, and ports, they all kind of share the same purpose, even if to uh, execute it differently, which is just... Sometimes we just want to do it again. Yeah, absolutely. Sometimes we want full-blown. Sometimes we just want it cleaned up and modernized. See. Sometimes we just want the accessibility. Like, they're all good and viable things to have. And I get that the game industry can get a little overzealous with releases on them. Um, looking at you, Last of Us. But, uh, yeah, at, at the same time, they, they have their points of being around like I'm, I'm glad that they aren't just tossing the stuff off to the side oh this is old news let's not do it right lost to time chrono trigger see you think you think that's what i was gonna say but i don't have to say what everybody no. thinks it could fit i all three of those categories and i would be happy Yes, but although Chrono Trigger, I just want a port. I just, I just, I just want, yeah. Uh, so for what did you do? Remake, port, then remaster. Uh, remake, port, remaster. Okay, so the remake was a Parasite Eve. Yep. So my choice for a remake, and this is a little bit of cheating, but also kind of not because these two games were initially supposed to be one, and my pick for the full blown from the ground up remake treatment is. Golden Sun, the two for Game Boy Advance. Okay. And I would like to see it done sort of in a style of like something like a Dragon Quest Eleven, right? So still a very traditional kind of JRPG, but, you know, your maps are more modernized. There's things to do out in the field. It no longer feels like a 2D game. It feels like a 3D game. But at the same time, still don't change it to the extent of like a Final Fantasy VII remake, right? Now, would you be okay with, like, an HD 2D remake, mm, Golden Sun? That would be good, but I think the thing that I want out of a remake is almost a fresh interpretation of it. Because one of the issues, and now a big part of this was just the small sizes of the text boxes um, and how much story there was to convey, but on the Game Boy Advance... The story felt a little bloated to the point where it was a little hard to enjoy, right? As where if they did a full from the ground up remake, it almost changed like some of the direction. Maybe even shimmy some events around or stuff just to feel a little bit more cohesive. Because the Golden Sun games are so beloved, but they're also games that people have a hard time swallowing that they're as good as they thought they were. And it's not that they're bad. They're just not incredible. Right. But I feel like yeah, they no, could that, be that's, polished that's up. Um, so that would be what I would give the full-blown remake treatment. Now, as for just a straight-up port, and when I say port, I mean as close to the original as can be, but if you have to make some modifications to make it playable on something new, do so. Which is really my only way of saying, because it's a DS game is my choice. Um, mm. 3DS to be specific. But I would love just a playable port of Shin Megami Tensei Four. Oh, okay. Because it is, I don't know if I could say it's my favorite of the series or even the best. That's a very big up for debate. But it is a game that definitely doesn't deserve to be trapped on that generation. So 
It, it's it's probably the one that you hold dearest to you. I don't even know that. I just know that it's hard to talk people into playing a game on an older handheld these days. That's fair. So it's a little yeah, bit harder to recommend something, right? Because you could want to, but it's a whole different experience, especially too when you're like, I could safely admit, even though I have a good amount of DS and 3DS games, I'm just going to play my Switch. Yeah. Um, so that would be why I would want to give... Uh, Shin Megami Tensei 4, just another kind of chance to be playable by people. And as for a remaster, which is make it more modern, tweak some mechanics to make it playable for people, and uh, maybe give it a fresh new coat of paint, but not too extreme. Um, this is a real deep cut here, would be the Boktai series. The Boktai series. So those are the games for Game Boy Advance made by Hideo Kojima, which uh, have the solar sensor built oh. into it. Yeah. So that was, though, a really cool thing, kind of an impractical way to incorporate a game mechanic, right? So <laughs> yeah. maybe, I don't know, if you really want to go so far, maybe just have mechanics that the game plays a little different for your time of day, which is still frustrating, but not as crucial as go out in the sun. Um, yeah, so I know you explained it briefly there, but you you want to give the people uh, who don't know the series a bit of so uh, explanation on what the sun sensor was. So essentially the game plays like a sort of stealth game at an isometric perspective, and you have a gun that is charged up by solar power, which... Um, your ammo can reaccumulate based on how much of the sun you get. And there are also other different things, because I believe the game is about slaying vampires. So the sun plays a big part. But as for mechanically, it would be... So if you were getting a lot of sun, because there was a little gauge on the bottom of the screen showing how much the sensor was actually picking up. Um, and if it was really sunny, your enemies on screen, they might start like taking damage from the sun. And your gun, because it's solar-powered, will reload pretty much instantly but it will also have other effects like some of your consumable items like you have fruit that'll heal you but it spoils faster when it's really hot out stuff like that it was kind of brilliant but it's also too wacky to ever expect to see again right yeah so but they are incredible games um and so if there was a way that they could just kind of tweak it, maybe it even works out where the weather is, like, sort of randomized-ish, right? Like, if you're playing it Mario It just contacts Golf. the weather network. Oh, that would be... <laughs> that would be... I can't even contact the weather network right now. But yeah, those would be my current picks for what I would remake, remaster, or port. The Boktai series. That's fun. Right? I told you it was going to be that, out of left field. There would be so many ways that you could do that whole sunlight mechanic. But are they good ways? Well, I don't even think you really need the sunlight mechanic when it comes down to it. Because it did the franchise did get a sequel on the DS called Lunar Nights. And it was different characters, but it all took place in the same universe. But they just got rid of the sun mechanic it was still the same base game they just found different ways to go about it i think you got your solar energy just from like consumables and stuff like that um just like 
you know, your ammo pickups in Metroid, like the glowing orbs and stuff you'll find. It was just kind of like random drops and whatnot, like a regular game that didn't require the sun. Yeah. Um, and it's still, the, the formula works great. But the only problem with that is the original block tie games are good. They're just trapped. Yes. So. And it's, it's all because of that one mechanic, right? Well, I'm sure Hideo Kojima probably plays a big part in it too. But I'm gonna, I'm just gonna say for the sake of weirdness, yes, it's because it has a solar sensor in it. Because Hideo Kojima couldn't help himself. He's gotta do it his way. It's like Miyazaki and his poison pools. Oh. He just has to do it. Yep. Yeah, he just gotta have that little bit of an inconvenience. But uh, yeah, I think that's me on my end. How about yourself? Yeah, I think that is good enough. And that kind of raises a question: like, there's a bunch of things that could be ported and could be remastered and remade, but because they have certain quirks to them, do you think we would ever will? And it's funny that we're talking about Hideo, Hideo, Hideo Kojima, uh, Metal Gear Solid One. When Psychomantis is reading your mind and you have to put into control report two. I think the best comparison how, how, of that now How do you put a Bluetooth controller in controller port two? Uh what is it? Eternal darkness? Convincing you that your volume's going down and stuff like that? Yes. Yeah. Those well, are... that was that was one one of many things that happen right like there was the pretending to erase your save file but it was from a different time where like everyone's volume bar on their tv was universal as where now it's not gonna <laughs> yes. look like what it tried to portray of that game no you you turn your volume up now and you're seeing the samsung or lg or sony logo nah, now with your volume bar now <laughs> your comparison to that is if you're playing something on pc and psycho mantis is just like i'm going to give you malware <laughs> oh god i am going to break your console well i'm spent <laughs> yeah i think that uh that about does it for myself you wanna you wanna give us a closing uh, statement here yeah i'll give you a closing statement <laughs> well that's been another episode of the optional boss podcast uh remakes ports remasters i've been josh and talking with tyler once again Bye, everybody. Hope you play a game that you've played before. Exactly. And we hope to see you on the next episode. Take care, everybody. Bye. Bye.